So as we look at uh, continuing our study in First in Timothy, we'll have, as I mentioned, a couple of a few weeks where uh, between Rob uh, teaching after camp and then our Dobson family vacation, there'll be a, a few weeks that we're, we're uh, not able to specifically be in First Timothy, uh, at least as part of this study. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of on the downhill slope with respect to 1 Timothy, uh, preparing for, for what's next. But uh, we're, we're right in the middle of a section of 1 Timothy, specifically in chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there. Uh, I'd ask you to turn there in your, in, or on, on your app because we're going to look at more than just the verses today uh, that we will study. And um, I, think, I think it'll help with some, some context. We'll probably have to flip a few pages as we, as, we, as we go. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Specifically, our text starts in verse 13 and, uh, and says, um, Till I come, until I come, uh, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy and with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Me- uh, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so it's kind of interesting. Paul's been on quite a roll with instruction, with the guidance, with teaching, with direction. He has been doing a lot to make sure that Timothy has everything he needs in this epistle to reference back, to be able to apply. Uh, I, I can't help but think that Paul was revisiting things that he has already taught Timothy uh, through his interaction, through his ministry. But I, I know that he is memorializing some of this for the purpose of Timothy's ministry. Certainly it was memorialized for our ministry as well. But notice even back in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verses 1 to 2, uh, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all, yes. all men, right? Uh, verse 3, for this is good and acceptable. Uh, in, in the sight of God, uh, our, uh, our Savior. Even in verse 3, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He's instructing him. In verses 8 and 9, continuing in, in 1 Timothy 2, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and, without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, right? Very tactical, very very practical uh, guidance. Uh, verse 11, let the woman uh, learn in silence with all subjection. We actually looked at that, that that's not a derogatory or, um, or uh, restrictive statement. It's actually a very proactive statement considering the times that women were not even allowed into the synagogue. That's in part why women were uh, in, in the book of Acts down at the river praying. Um, that women were not allowed really to partake the same way and that Paul's opening up the church to women. He's let the women learn, but we're going to, to, to require that they do it with silence and subjection, not uh, in, in chaos. Um, he even in chapter 3 and verse 15 specifically says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know uh, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. 
Like literally, that's the purpose of this book, Timothy, is I'm, as I'm, I'm counseling you, I'm writing these things so that you know in chapter 4 in verses uh, 6 through 7, if thou put uh, the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then verse 7, refuse uh, profane and old wise fables, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And down even in verses 11, uh, these things command and teach, let no man despise thy youth that we looked at last week, but be thou an example. So there's a lot of exhortation, there's a lot of guidance, there's a lot of direction and teaching that Paul has been giving to Timothy that is very, very practical. And we're going to continue that today. These are not ethereal concepts. These are things that you will be able to take and apply directly to your life today, if you so choose, in your ministry as a gospel minister, as, a, as someone who is uh, called not to, not to have reverend behind your name, not to be ordained, but specifically, particularly, but specifically to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and it's really important. So I did a, a clear contrast in, in verse 12 here, which we looked at last week. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example, right? So we talked about the example of the believer in those different areas, those six different areas. But notice there is a specific word that appears here in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I didn't do this last week. I didn't go into this detail, but there is a Greek word in. It is a separate word. It, I mean, Paul actually writes in word, in conversation, or the Greek equivalent thereof. He takes the time to record that word. And that's a contrast to what we're looking at in 13 through 16, which is why I believe the Lord at least impressed upon me to do one message last week out of verse 12, but 13 through 16, and notice the contrast. Till I come give attendance, so that's an action to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Neglect not the gift is an action. Meditate upon these things, action. Give thyself wholly to them, action. Take heed unto thyself, action. And continue in them, action. So Paul changes his tone a little bit, his, his tense, if you will. And he goes from talking about being an example in these things to things that he needs to do. Okay? So it, it tees up, I think, very nicely. And on your on your page, uh, on your on your handout, you have these things. And ultimately, if you don't get the words right now, I think you've got attendance, importance, and observe uh, to fill in there. If you don't get them, they will appear further down as, as we go. But, but the first is to give attendance to. Give attendance to. Now, this isn't the way we would probably say it today. This isn't the, the words in, uh, that we might choose in our modern English to say to but we might say pay attention to right and that's not a trans I'm not trans I'm just trying to give you some color right when he says when Paul says to Timothy in the Greek and it's translated to English in our King James Bible of give attendance to it it isn't it, it just means to pay attention like just just mind it right uh, neglect not and and neglect really I mean you know, the, neglect is kind of a strong word nowadays, right? If you were to neglect your child or you were ne to neglect uh, a, an older adult that you were caring for, that has criminal uh, applications to it, right? So neglect is a pretty strong word. And so 
it, it, and, it, and it has that kind of connotation here, but you need to respect the importance of the thing. Respect the importance of it. Meditate upon them. Give thyself wholly to them. This is These are our, our sister components, so I put them together as compared to separating them. Meditate upon and give thyself is really to focus on them. You're going to mentally, you're going to give mental assent to it. You're going to focus on it, but then you're going to have an action associated with it. Take heed. Again, it's kind of a phrase that we don't really use nowadays. Take heed to something, but it's to observe, but also to apply or to move based on that. So, so if you, if I were to say take, you know, you're going to have a picnic later today, you would take heed to the weather. Right, you're going to be watching for it and be prepared to shift your plans. You're gonna maybe make sure you have some stuff inside, or you can get stuff in out of the rain, or if it's if it's left out, it's not gonna get damaged. Whatever you're taking heed to the weather. It's not just that you're looking at the radar on your phone or you know toward the toward the sky, but but there's some resultant action that's going to happen. So you're observing and applying. And then to continue, you know, kind of makes sense. We That's kind of a, a concept. Continue in these things would be something we might say or some version of it, but it's, but it's that concept of persevering, right? Sticking with it, staying with it, and that like. So we're going to take a look at each of these uh, as we go through the, through the lesson today. So first, give attendance to. So this paying attention to, but specifically notice what Paul was challenging Timothy to do in uh, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance, pay attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And I think it's really interesting because reading is kind of that apparent or surface purpose. You should have this aspect in your personal time with the Lord. You should read scripture. And I'll be honest with you, I don't do this as much as, as I ought because I'm, this might surprise you, but I get bald around the axle when I read something. I'm like, ooh, that's real interesting. And then I start kind of <coughs> do a little mini study on it. Like I can't, I have trouble. I actually have to be real purposed in just reading scripture, just letting the story come off of the page and into my heart and my life. Okay, that's a it's a weak area or a blind spot, if you will, for me. Uh, but it is something that Paul specifically tells Timothy to do. It's important. You can't just be a student of scripture. You also need to be someone who kind of immerses yourself. Just just read scripture. Let it jump off the page to you. Let it may in fact drive some some deeper study, right? But but let it do that. Immerse yourself in it. It's just, there's the kind of that surface purpose. And and sometimes, you know, based on my personal history in the in the the, the like-minded churches that that are in our fellowship and that I've you know come from in the Kansas City Baptist Temple and, and now Graceway, there's been a little bit. I think we 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 kind of dog just reading scripture. We kind of say, well, if you're not studying scripture. Well, and there's importance to that, but Paul clearly balances it with the exhortation and with doctrine, which are also important. We'll talk about those in just a second. But reading scripture is important, and you should have that in your life. And and allow it to just be what it is. Like, you don't have to, you know... 
I, I guess there's times where if you if you want to have drawings all over your page and circle these words and connect these concepts or or break them down like we do in some of our classes, that's that's fine. But I would argue that gets down into doctrine. But just just read scripture. Just let it just let it permeate into you. Exhortation is this concept of comfort or consolation or admonition. Exhortation should be a situation where when I exhort you, whether in this class or a one-on-one situation, maybe we grab a meal, maybe, uh, you know, Michelle and I grab a meal with you and, and your husband. If we, if we do that and I exhort you, you should feel comforted, not like, oh, he's patting me on the head or on the back and it's going to be okay. Not that kind of comfort, but true biblical comfort that, that the Lord is speaking. Right? That, that, that should be the comfort we're talking about here. That you can walk away from that conversation, walk away from this teaching, walk away from the preaching, and whatever it is, be comforted that God's at work. Yes. Like, that's not a bad word. We've, again, we've kind of made, kind of in the same way, we've kind of made reading like, well, that's what kids do before they learn to study. We kind of do the same thing with exhortation and, and this concept of comfort. We almost think that exhortation needs to just be admonishment. You need to get your life right. Well, you do. But when you walk away from those conversations, and those of you who've ministered with me uh, for a while know that I, I, I strive to do this. I, I'm going to tell you what I what I perceive as a situation. I'm going to tell you how it applies from the word, but I don't like, there's no point in you being mad at me about it. And I'm, yeah, there's part of me that's a little bit of a people pleaser. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't like it when people don't like me, you know? So I'm going to try to avoid that, but I'm going to try to do it so that when you walk away, the words that you heard, you're like, well, I can do that. Right. Right. That's the comfort we need to we need to be applying to, to each other. And then with doctrine, I mean, doctrine's important. We had a doctrine-heavy um, message this morning in service. Doctrine-heavy. There's a, there was a lot going on there, and a lot more that Sam you know just touched barely on that he could spend a lot more time. But according to to Joel Kilgore, would take him you know 50 years to get through Genesis. So so he can only do so much. But it's this concept of these teaching, these, these precepts or principles, right? Laying precept upon precept, line upon line, stacking the concepts of doctrine. Today in message, in uh, the message that Sam uh, preached was a very fundamental doctrine. Very basic. Some might argue it was complicated, but a very basic doctrine that if you don't have the word of God in front of you, well, that's a problem because everything else I tell you is now just my opinion. That's a very basic, like it's a fundamental, like we have to lay that layer of bricks before I can lay the next layer of bricks on it. It's very, very important. So we have to pay attention to all these areas in our life. We have to give attendance to, we have to be mindful of all of these. So a couple of verses that, that came up. Notice in Acts 6, and verse four, right? The, the 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 leadership in the early church they needed to give themselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. They had to set aside some things that were tactical and practical to developing leaders 
so that they could spend the time doing what they needed to do, and that was ministry in the Word. That's really important for your leaders. It's important for you. Notice in Acts 13, I will actually ask you to turn to Acts 13. Acts 13, and we'll start in verse 15. This is what's going on in the early church and in really with the synagogues outside of Jerusalem. Notice in verse 15, uh, well, just look at verse 14 for some context. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Notice in verse 15, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue sent unto them saying, ye men of, and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Okay. Now, again, this gets back to our study earlier in 1 Timothy, how there wasn't necessarily an authority. There wasn't a structure. So Paul is addressing that in his letters to Timothy. It's two letters to Timothy and his letter to Titus and how the church needs to function. But here, he's, Luke is giving an account in the book of Acts about Paul going in. And what did they do first in the synagogue? They read. They read at it. We don't... And I'm look. I'm not mad about this. I'm not suggesting that Sam needs to change this because it can get a little bit, um, I don't know, kind of religious yeah. feeling, kind of structured. When you okay, you know. But I have been in churches where there's where they have a scripture reading, right? Everybody turn to you know Proverbs three, and we're going to read verses one through five or whatever. And they sometimes they'll have everyone stand up. Sometimes people read along out loud. Sometimes they just read along. Uh, but but that is something that was born, at least in part, in this early church out of the transition of the synagogue because they would read scripture. So when Paul says to Timothy, pay attention, give attendance to reading, he's saying there's importance. Now, part of the reason for that is not everybody had a Bible, right? So it was, in fact, important for somebody to get up and read because that might be a primary source of their exposure to scripture, Given the fact that we have Bibles everywhere and apps and those types of things, we don't necessarily need to dedicate time in service or in class just to read scripture. You kind of need to be able to do that on your own. But notice what happens after reading is exhortation and doctrine. So in starting in verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give it, give audience. And then he, then he kind of lays into him a little bit, right? And he's speaking and he talks about uh, David and, uh, and verse 24, when John had preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Like he just goes through this really long, uh, well, it's not that long, but a, a fairly long dissertation. All of that, all the way down to verse 41, right, is him both exhorting in providing doctrine. So again, because we trust that you have either a printed Bible in front of you or some way to read scripture, we don't dedicate a whole lot of time in church to reading scripture. We want you to do that on your own, but we are charged to exhort and provide doctrine. Okay, That is part of our job in the church. 
laid out. So that's what we need to give attendance to. The next is what we need to neglect not or not neglect. Now this is, again, as I mentioned before, respecting the importance of, or even this concept of caring for, in this case, the gift, right? The gift that was, so I gotta get back to my, to my page here, so I apologize for that. So in verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter four, neglect not the gift that is in thee. So the action is to not neglect. What are we to not neglect? The gift. So it's to respect the importance of or care for this gift that Paul is describing. Okay? Now, neglecting the gift or neglecting not the gift is, is a proactive action. Okay? Proactive type action. So it's in thee. Notice it's not on or of thee. That means it was put in Timothy. It was put in Timothy. Notice where it comes from. It was given thee by prophecy. Now, we like to use the word prophecy when we think of Dan, part of Daniel, the book of Revelation. I, you know, when I was teaching before, sometimes I'd ask people, well, what do you think I should put? Oh, teach on prophecy. Teach on prophecy. Well, I'm going to be wrong. I don't want to teach on prophecy because I don't exactly know what it looks like. I know what the principles are. I know some of the high points. But, like, I can't get too down in the weeds because I don't want to tell you something incorrect. So I can teach on the high points, but, but prophecy at its core is actually just the declaration of what God's doing. Amen. What we think of prophecy is the declaration of what God's doing in advance of him doing it. But the prophecy is actually just declaring, like I can prophesy to you this morning about what happened in the Old Testament. If, if that makes sense, because I, I'm just not doing it in advance of the, of the occurrence. I'm doing it after the fact. I'm still prophesying. I'm still communicating, declaring what God did as compared to what God is going to do. Okay? So it's declaring this. It's from divine inspiration. So I got to get it from God. And it's declaring the purposes of God. Not necessarily just the plan of God, but the purposes of God. So this was what was given to Timothy. He's basically saying, Timothy, you are called to be a pastor. You are called to teach. You are called. This is the gift that was put in you that's in thee is to do the ministry. Believer, guess what? You got the same gift. Now, maybe you don't stand up here in a very nice. Who told me I had a nice jacket? This was you this morning. You told me I had a nice jacket. Thank you. I got it at Kohl's. <laughs> Shocking, right? Um, and I think it was even on sale. And I, we probably used Cole's cash. Um, but <laughs> to get said jacket. Am I embarrassing myself, Rob? Should I have not gone there? Uh, Rob, Rob strongly agrees that I'm a dork. Um, so <laughs> it's not necessarily that you have this spot or this wonderful aluminum and plasticky podium from which to teach behind. If you are a believer, you are called to give prophecy by giving attendance to reading and exhortation and doctrine. 
the gift is in you. We'll see that in just a moment. Notice now, now in Timothy's case, it was a little different. It was with the laying on the hands of the presbytery, okay? This is an external validation of his leadership. So that's the part where it's a little different for different people within the church. In Timothy's case, there was this validation by a group of elders at some point that he was going to pastor, that he was going to 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 lead, okay? Now, the presbytery is not uh, maybe terribly well-defined in Scripture, but we have a group of elders that meet in this church. The schedule is a little wonky. I can't ever remember it. I always have to look it up. It's on Tuesdays. It's like the second and fourth, but it's not always. Sometimes we go to choir, and I can't... Uh, I can't keep it straight. But the point is that the elders in this church get together and we do discuss things. And Sam, it's, it's, it's wonderful, and I've not experienced this many places, but Sam will say things like, if God is calling a pastor, if God's going to start a work in Boston like he did, or if God's going to start a work in Tampa, or if God's going to do something in Dallas or Denver or other parts of the country or the world, we'll get a group email. And I love that saying. Now, we're not actually getting emails because God doesn't. That would be weird. Um, that God's not actually sending us a group email. But the presbytery, the elders, the people who have grown up, they have some experience in ministry, everybody's going to have peace about it. And if somebody doesn't have peace about it, there's an expectation for them to, to step up and say, what about this? Or, hey, are, have we thought about that? Are we concerned about this aspect or what have you? In Timothy's case, the elders put their hands on him and validated there was no magic flowing through their fingernails, okay? They weren't like the emperor, Palpatine, right? Wasn't it Palpatine? Emperor, mm-hmm. Like there was no lightning bolts. Why Sam can make a Star Wars reference and everybody laughs. Mitch makes a Star Wars reference. Everybody goes, there's crickets chirping in the back. There's a tumbleweed that just rolled by. Like, there's no magic coming out of their fingers. There's no lightning bolts. Some people didn't know what I was talking about. It was a spoiler alert. We didn't know that he was Senator. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I I was was in the wrong episode. My bad. Yeah, yeah, I was in the wrong. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me square. So there was no, like, he wasn't wrinkled. I'm so deformed. Right? That would be weird if the elders did that. But there's nothing magical, just like there was nothing magical in the water this morning with the baptism that was a validation of the decision that someone had made. Just like there's nothing magical in the communion cup or broken bread, they are validations of what has already occurred. When elders or pastors lay hands on someone, it's a validation of what has already occurred. Okay? And that's that's the, the ordinance concept that I think we miss sometimes is that we're just proclaiming out loud what's happened. And that's what's going on here. He's saying to Timothy, don't neglect it. Now, there's a, there's a couple of different passages I wanted to go to here, but one of them, and we're actually not, not going to go there, is the parable of the talents. If you remember, one of the, 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 the servants, when they get their allotment of talents, two of them multiply them. They take risk. They, they, they go and they do. 
one of them does does something, but they hide it, they bury it, right? That's the doing. And that literally is the same concept of neglecting. By leaving the talents in the ground or hiding them, you're neglecting, literally neglecting them. I mean, you can almost see the parallel if you neglect a child or if you neglect a, an adult you care for. You're, ne- you're leaving them alone. You're not tending to them. That's the same concept. In Matthew, it's interesting, in Matthew 22, uh, in a different, different, slightly different context, but uh, or a different parable for sure. But Matthew twenty-two and verses two through five, the kingdom of heaven is like an, is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, uh, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they neglected, they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. It's literally the same word. They made light of it. They neglected it. Like, it, they didn't take it seriously. I don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but if God's given you a talent, take it serious. Like, if God's laid it on your heart in, in, in the quietness of your own time with him that you need to be singing, fortunately, he has not given that to me. He is, if he said to you, you need to sing in the choir, don't neglect that gift. If he's challenged you to, to start studying because you believe you should be preaching and teaching the word of God on some sort of consistent basis, do not neglect that gift. You are no better than the servant that went and hid the talents. You're no different than these who made light of it and said, I don't need to come to the marriage. Like, literally, that's the severity uh, scale here. But notice where the gift is. This is this is so cool. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. God's done something in you. You've got different genes than I do, than everybody else in here. I don't think we have any twins. Do we have any twins in the church? Do we have? I don't. I don't think so. We do. The best twins. Oh, of course, oh, the best twins. Right. That's right. Yeah. The best twins. And, uh, they, okay, so there's only a couple people that share DNA, so they can fight over who their 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 uh, their gifts. But he has made each and every one of us a little different, with different skill sets, with different abilities, with different. Uh, softnesses in our hearts for different things. Every man has this proper gift. Everyone. There is a spot that you need to fill in this ministry. Find it. Fulfill it. Because Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect it. Act on it. Next, meditate upon and give thyself to it. So, um, so notice in verse 15, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, uh, uh, that thy profiting may appear to all. So these, are, these again, are, are, are tied concepts. Not just meditate or just think about them, but to also give thyself, okay? So to meditate is to... But, and this is, again, a little different. If you saw the word or thought of the word when we read it, you might have thought, you know, you need to cross your legs and go, um, um, I don't know why it's like, 
we're worried about electricity, but uh, somebody gets that joke, maybe Shane. Uh, so okay, a couple of people did. So I thought I thought I'd go a different direction than Star Wars, and at least a couple of people got it. So, to, to, but it's to care for, plan, or look at this to practice, to meditate on. Like if you're going to meditate on scripture, one way to meditate on scripture is to memorize it. And one way to me uh, memorize it is to practice it. And I don't just mean, but I'm, like out practice it, but also to like practice it, right? Learning, uh, the price of learning is, uh, repetition is the price of learning. So sometimes you need to practice something. You need to build it into you. And that's how you meditate on it. That's how you, I call it percolate. Because I love the concept of percolating on scripture. I love the concept of, of letting it flow through me and letting the Lord like show me through the course of the week the, the scriptures that I'm supposed to be teaching on and how that's supposed to interact and ministry examples, etc. Et but notice, coupled with meditate is give thyself to. And, and, and a, another way to, I guess, I don't want to say translate it, but a concept is to be there. It's to be present. So... I was on a, a Zoom call, not, I don't know, it's a little while back, and this guy was part of the, a committee that we were, you know, there's like six or seven of us doing this committee, and he had asked a couple of questions, and that like, and he's clicking on his computer, and you can see that he's, he's I guess I'll say officially multitasking, but you can't tell if he's looking at the content that we're, we're going over or what, and then, sure enough, game sounds start coming out of his computer. Oh, no. <laughs> Whoops, somebody was busted. So, <laughs> so if you're going to play games on a Zoom, make sure your volume's down. Right? So I'm not going to share his name because that would be embarrassing. There's no one you know, but it's recorded. Um, so, but they will say things in meetings like be present. Right? Try not to, like, be here so that you can kind of devote yourself to the topic at hand, right? And that's what this giving thyself to, like, like, let it get in there, be present, let this concept that you're practicing, let this concept that you're thinking on, like, work its way into you, into the ground of your heart, right? Don't let the water just run off. Let it soak in, be there. But also to have authority over so it's similar to this concept of bringing your body under subjection. Normally, when we think of bringing our bodies under subjection, we think of, I'm not going to do that, right? This is literally the same concept, but it's bringing your body under subjection saying, I am going to do that, okay? So it's that same concept. To give yourself to it is, I'm going to act on it. I've thought about it, I've prayed about it, it's, I've meditated on it, I've practiced it, and now I'm going to act on it. It's overwhelming, this passage, of how much Paul is calling Timothy to actually do, okay, to do. Notice in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 13, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. So, so Jesus is actually instructing the disciples to trust the Holy Spirit. Neither do ye premeditate. Don't practice in advance what you're going to say 
when they put you on trial and they're going to kill you and martyr you. Don't don't say, well, I'm going to say this to the king or I'm going to challenge. I'm just if I say this, that'll really get. No, don't don't practice it. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. Trust the Holy Spirit. I'll be at work in that moment for you to speak what you need to say. That doesn't imply that you should not be prepared, but be prepared in your relationship, not in your words, if that makes sense. Don't premeditate, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. That same concept is is interesting. This holy, that premeditation that should be we should wholly give ourselves to. Look in Numbers 32. Verses 11 and 12. Surely none of the men that, have, uh, that came up out of Egypt from 20 years and old upwards shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. And then this is the, the caveat for Caleb and Joshua. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, uh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Okay, this is a really important inflection point here. Really important. They wholly followed the Lord. Everybody else short of that mark didn't get in. It wasn't they who sacrificed to idols, worshipped other gods. It wasn't they who were kicked puppies and, and yelled at little kids. It wasn't people who poked other people in the eye. Like, it wasn't... You know, people that spoke harshly. It was two options. You wholly followed the Lord or you didn't. That's your choice. I mean, Paul literally is saying to Timothy, meditate on these things and give yourself wholly unto them. Give yourself wholly unto ministry. You will not, you will be disappointed, but you will never be disappointed. And I know that's not, that's like, what What did he just say? He said, I'll be disappointed about that. Like, I constantly am disappointed in myself and other people in ministry. But you know what? I'm never disappointed if I stick with the book. If I say the things I'm supposed to say, it's when I don't that I get disappointed in myself. And when other people don't follow the book, I get disappointed. Like, it's going to happen. But that is the key. That is the key. So we need to wrap up. we got two more. We need to take heed observe and apply observe and apply again we talked about the weather example this is to mark to stay to hold forth you're going to you're going to do something with this observation you're going to do something with the information you take in so he says to take heed unto thyself right in verse 16 take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and there's a there's a a, a follow-on concept here you need to take heed of yourself before you take heed of doctrine. Okay? Because, now you'll say, wait a second, how do I take heed of myself if I don't take heed of doctrine? Well, you do have to be careful of that. Right? But, it's less about do you have all your doctrine right, and it's more about are you applying what God has given you? I know some people who have a lot of things squared away doctrinally in their life, but their life is a wreck, an absolute wreck, because they've not take heed, they haven't taken heed to themselves. Like they're not applying it. They're, they're learning, 
and they're not their brain not really but their spiritual brains getting really big and the infamous words of I think it was Mike Meyer it's like an orange on a toothpick <laughs> like it's like this huge like thing some people know the reference so I pulled out some so I married an axe murderer you should see it yeah it's, it's good I tried to I tried to hit all the different genres and different age where I work hard on that try to be all things to all people it's got its own planetoid system right weather system weather system yeah um, but if you if you don't exercise that which you get in take heed to thyself the doctrine's just going it's actually going to crumble it's going to it's cause going to cause you to crumble so you need to take so so notice look at this look at all these things and there's a bunch more i i think i've mentioned this before in this class i did one of the most incredible i can still remember where i was sitting when I did the study on taking heed unto yourself. I mean, I could, I could, if it's still open, I could take you to the chair I was sitting in when God impressed upon me that I need to take heed to my actions, to my words, to the things that I'm doing, right? Look at this, take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, right? Take heed lest you do something stupid. In Deuteronomy 4.9, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, or lest thou forget all the things which thine eyes have seen, unless they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. Like, just be mindful of what's going on there. In Deuteronomy 12.13, take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. Oh, that's a good place to burn offerings. Oh, that's a good, no, in the tabernacle. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. I mean, there were certain responsibilities to the minister that needed to occur. And continuing in verse 30, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. There's a lot of things that we need to really be careful to take heed with. And Paul is telling Timothy, take heed to thyself, give holy Give thyself, meditate on them. Give thyself wholly to them. Take heed to this, thyself unto the doctrine. It's important. And last, but certainly not least, he has to continue. He has to persevere. He has to, to tarry or, or abide or stay at it or stay with it. Right? It's important. And, and notice in John uh, 8, 31, I mean, the, the, you, can't, you cannot avoid these words of Jesus. Then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye, or then are ye my disciples indeed. Like, you want to know if you're an actual disciple? Are you continuing in the word? Are you continuing? John 15 and verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Wow. Like, those are some heavy concepts that Jesus saws in out there. Like, continue in my word, continue in my love. Even in Acts uh, 13, now when the congregation was broken out, many of the Jews and the religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. They're not saying, hey, Paul, Barnabas, when you leave here, you should, you should continue in the... No, keep teaching me the grace. Keep explaining it to me. Continue teaching it to me. 
1422, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Paul, when he's making his rounds, he's looking at these young believers, these developing leaders, and he's like, continue in the faith. Don't stop. I think I've shared this before. There's two times to serve the Lord. A buddy of mine said this, and it's, 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 it's good. There's two times to serve the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't. When you feel like stopping, don't. Take another step. When you feel like, I just can't get up out of bed today, or too big of a headache, or my back hurts, or my toes ache, whatever it is that's stopping you, just just continue. And Colossians 2, continue in prayer, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 2, continue in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. So last week's discipleship decision was, will your relationship with Christ manifest itself, right, in those different things? Will it, will it come forward out of who you are? This week's is a little bit different. I put this up there just so you could see the contrast. Will you work on your relationship with Christ? Will you work, will you actively put energy into the equation so that others see and others are benefited by your ministry? The, the, the growing minister, the developing minister will do that. They will work on their relationship. They will take heed. They will meditate on. They will continue, right? They will give attendance to. They will say, boy, I really messed that up, you know? I ask Michelle most Sundays after we're done, did that land? Was there was there something I should have said different? And then she, since she pulls out her phone, well, let me tell you. And then she's like, and when you said this, and then that, that was really bad. And that Star Wars reference, nobody got that. And, and she just goes through that whole thing. Not really, but she does give me feedback that I need. Like I, like I've, I've not arrived. Somebody laughed. Somebody knew. I mean, like, you know, you haven't arrived. We have to work on our relationship. The last, last but certainly not least, one more slide. Notice this. For in doing, this is the last verse, the last part of the verse in 1 Timothy 4. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Wait a second, Paul. Are you actually saying you have a role in your salvation? No. No. That's not what it's saying. That word doesn't necessarily always equal what we call salvation or justification, the propitiation of the exchange of, of sin and righteousness, that, that process that makes us a believer. It's the concept of being made whole in Christ. Being made whole in Christ. So you are very much, if you're a believer today, you're saved, but you're also still going through the process of being made whole. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. For in doing this, you will become whole and those you teach can become whole. Like what an honor for Timothy at the judgment seat of Christ to think of all the people that he had an impact in by doing these things. It's literally the same concept. What is this, you say? This is a snippet from our webpage. This is the path of spiritual growth cost of discipleship. Discipleship 1, Discipleship 2, Living Faith Bible Institute. You need to seriously consider where you are on this process. Maybe you're not even on this. Maybe you're not even saved. We, we can deal with that. Like, I know a guy that can save you. 
Like I know how we can deal with that. If you are, then we need to seriously look at cost of discipleship. We need to seriously consider the discipleship process in your walk. We need to get to a point where you can take and get more meat out of scripture, where you can do some of these things that Timothy was challenged by Paul. And ultimately, don't let, don't let this word institute scare you. Because nothing that is taught in the Bible Institute is above you. It's all very practical. It's all very practical. So consider where you are in this process, not just this process, but in the process of what Paul has laid out to Timothy of the spiritual development of a minister. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for loving us. We thank you for your passion toward us and how great it is. We know that when even you caused Paul to pen these words that you had this day in mind for this class, even though there were countless other classes and countless other teachers and countless other students that and people that would read these words and you would you, you were still you, you were thinking about this day too. And you knew that there would be people under the sound of my voice that needed to hear this. And and Lord, I just pray that they would take that next step, that they would not be hindered by relationships, hindered by circumstance, hindered by fear, hindered by doubt, whatever it is, um, a lack of confidence in you, whatever it is, Lord, don't let those things stay in the way of someone growing closer to you and becoming a better minister. Help us all to, to continue to grow. We want to bring you honor and glory in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.